Hello, my lovely listeners. I'm Dr. Mary Barson. And I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. Welcome to this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. Hello, lovely listeners. Dr. Mary here. And I am joined by the wonderful, fabulous Dr. Lucy Burns. I love how we've just started pumping up each other's tires at the start of podcasts. I'm, I'm not going to stop. So sorry, listeners. Um, hi, Lucy. How are you? I'm, I'm having a little chuckle. I'm very well, Mayors. I'm very well and very excited to be here for, I guess, one of our favorite topics because... Last week was very much a physiological discussion, talking about mitochondria, very much in the biochemistry physiology wheelhouse. But as we are always talking about that, the key to, you know, long-term sustainable weight loss is really about understanding not just your physiology, but also your psychology. And so today we're having a wonderful chat about some of the psychological tools that we can use to really help us manage and be able to implement some of the things that we know we want to do. Yes, yes. (sighs) Stress. (laughs) Yeah, I love talking about stress. One of the things that, again, we, we talk a lot about this within our programs and, you know, we talk about the fact that many health weight-related programs are very action-based. So they're, you know, follow this meal plan, count these points, eat this, you know, shakes, whatever it is. And for a lot of people, they will work while everything is going well. Yes, yes. But we know that life is not like that. Unless you want to live on an island by yourself where everything is climate controlled and there are no, you know, speed humps coming your way, then really that's not realistic. No, that's not generally how the world works. Yes, stress is, I think, yeah, inevitable part of life. And there are really, I'd say, the key to managing stress is twofold, that you want to reduce the stress that you can reduce and that's, I think, an important part of our lives, but also you can increase your resilience to the stress that you have to deal with and you can do that both physically by improving your you know, your health, improving your sleep, your food, your exercise, as well as psychologically and by having active relaxation and spending time in that activation of the relaxation response within your autonomic nervous system and that both of these things are extremely useful and a really useful way for us to be able to help ourselves manage our stress and improve our resilience is to learn how to understand our internal landscape, to be able to learn to understand our emotions and improve our emotional literacy. Would you say overall that us Aussies are a particularly emotionally literate bunch? Leading question, Dr. Lucy. Let me think about that. Uh, No, I think part of it is that children these days are getting a lot more teaching in mind management, in emotional regulation and and those sorts of things. But for certainly people of of my generation and, and probably yours, there was none. And in fact, you know, in the very olden days, Children were supposed to be seen and not heard. They were, you know, you were not allowed to express any of your emotions as a child. You weren't taught anything. So we've come down to sort of, it's almost like primary colours. We've come down to a few basic 
words that we will use to describe a number of emotional states. And one of those words is stressed. People go, I feel stressed. If we actually think about that word, even that word in itself, I mean, there's emotional stress, which is what people are saying when they feel stressed. But actually, stress is a physiological response in your body. There's things happening. Your heart rate increases. You know, your liver makes more glucose. Your platelets become stickier. Your blood pressure goes up. Your blood's moved from your gut into your limbs. They're all physiological stress responses. But we never talk about those. We just talk about, I feel stressed, which may mean you feel anxious or you feel overwhelmed or you feel even burdened, like that could be the word. But we don't use those words. We just use stressed. We do. We do. And you express this clearly that emotions, they're complex physiological, it's like physical and psychological responses that we experience in response to external and internal stimuli, but they're really subjective and they happen in our body. You know, they are a physiological state. You can't separate emotions and physiology. They are the same thing. You know, for me, again, because, you know, I love language and I love thinking about where words have come from. So the other word we have for emotions is feelings. Mm. Where do we feel things? In our body. So at one level, we do know that. But at another level, we've just become so disconnected from this idea that you do feel your emotions. You do. Quite literally. Think about, you know, a stressful thing. Think about, uh, you know, leaving your, forgetting to pick your child up at school. And you're probably going to start getting physical feelings. So me just thinking about that, I like. I can feel my heart starting to race. Um, I can feel these butterflies in my stomach. I can feel my throat tighten. I can feel all of these physiological changes that are happening in response to an, you know, an emotion, to a stimuli. And being able to understand your emotions I think is extremely helpful. I would also add that it's important, I believe, to understand that you're allowed to feel whatever you feel. I'd say that there are no bad emotions. Like They're all okay. Obviously, some are unpleasant and some are pleasant, but they're not good or bad. They just are. You're allowed to feel whatever you feel. There are no good or bad emotions. All emotions are acceptable. All thoughts are acceptable. All thoughts and feelings are acceptable, but not all actions. You know, not all actions are okay. It's okay to be angry. But is it okay to punch someone in the nose because you're angry? Probably not. You know, it's it's okay to be stressed, but is it okay to eat a litre of ice cream because you're stressed? Well, you know, if, if health is important to you, probably not. So emotional literacy is a skill that we can all learn when we learn to understand our emotions and we learn to express and manage them in ways that are, you know, acceptable, healthy, and ultimately helpful towards our goals and helpful towards, you know, running our lives. Mm. And the other thing I would love to just sort of point out is that you, you're not your emotions. A lot of people kind of become their emotions and even our language these days is all, you know, people will use the phrase, oh, my anxiety, like it is them. They own it, it is them. 
when in fact it's just an anxious state. And if you can separate yourself out a little bit from not, it's a bit like that whole thing of being able to see the wood for the trees, being able to take that sort of bird's eye view rather than being right in the thick of it, my anxiety, you can't see your way out of it because it is part of who you are, rather than realising it's actually a fluctuating state, which with skills you can manage. That's right. Yes, yes. And that I think is one of the first skills. So emotional literacy requires a few skills. They are learnable skills. But the first one is that that self-awareness or at least improving your self-awareness over time is when you are able to understand that you're not your emotions, you're not your thoughts and your feelings. And if you can just be aware of them and learn to name them, that, yes, we can start to become aware of how our emotions, you know, influence our thoughts and our behaviours and our interactions with others. So separating yourself from them and being able to name them is useful. Yeah, absolutely. And then you can be a little more, again, you just, you know, our favourite thing, a weight loss is a personal development journey. It really is about understanding what what emotions are most likely to cause you to particularly say want to eat. So for a lot of people, they don't quite get it. They go, oh, sometimes I eat when I'm stressed, sometimes I don't. And it's like, okay, that's because stress is just one big word and there's actually about, you know, 20 emotions that can come under that umbrella of stressed. And if you can actually narrow it down, then, again, you can just give yourself that a bit more understanding, a bit more compassion for why you're doing what you're doing. So, you know, it might be that you are embarrassed or humiliated. And, you know, lots of people would just call that stressed, you know, because it's uncomfortable. And we've called all uncomfortable feelings that aren't anger stress. But, yeah, when you get a little clearer on them, then you can do that inner work that we talk a lot about. And I love inner work. Inner work is good. It is. That's that's where growth occurs. A useful tip I find for when I want to examine how I'm feeling is to approach it by the point, well, all my feelings are okay. They're not good or bad. I'm allowed to feel whatever I want. I'm allowed to feel extreme anger, extreme resentment or whatever, as long as, you know, yeah, I'm not punching people in the head or murdering them. That's fine. So, yeah, but just take the guilt out of it and take the judgment out of it is what I'm meant to say. So you're open-minded. And then a useful tip with language that I find. So if I'm I'm feeling really icky and and something my gut is tightening up and you know I feel the urge to yell at someone or to run away or to hide from something I need to do or to eat some chocolate or something. Rather than say, why am I like this? Why do I feel this way? Why do I keep doing this? And not using why, I use what? It's a much more gentle way, it's a much more curious way and a much more neutral way to approach how you're feeling. What is making me feel this way? you know, what is going on for me right now? What is happening for me in my body? What is happening for me in my mind? It's less judgmental and less accusatory helpful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're right. You can ask yourself, what's going on for me in a, in a cranky voice? Or you can, of course, say, oh, God, I don't feel right. You know, and my favorite thing is, Luce, what's going on here? What's going on for us? And I often use the word us like there's two of us. 
because it feels like a bit more of a team. There's two of us sorting through all of this. What's going on for us? And then sometimes I will journal and I can write it all out. And sometimes it's like journaling can be two things. It can be cathartic. So it's like it's all out. Oh, I feel better. Or it's actually, oh, right. It's like, oh, my God, now it's clear. It's clear for me what is the issue. And sometimes developing that clarity can also help you put it into perspective and actually realise that because you were down in the thick of it, not being able to sort of take that step out, you couldn't see that it wasn't actually as big as you thought it was. Mm. Being able to just separate yourself from your feelings. Mm. Yeah. And interestingly, and you've said this a couple of times that, you know, there are no good or bad feelings and that we're allowed to feel all of them. I would say we we actually have to because what we all often do is we, you know, we lean into the good ones, the easy ones, the pleasant ones, and we suppress, run away, hide from the unpleasant ones. And, of course, we all know that food is a a very effective tool for suppressing. But I'm reminded of that beach ball analogy that we've talked about in the past. But in case people have forgotten or not heard it before, it's this idea that if you're, say, standing in a pool or at the beach and you've got a beach ball and the beach ball represents your emotions and if they're just sitting on top and you're holding them lightly, it's sort of easy. You can move them around a bit. It's no big deal. But if you're stuffing them down, if you're forcing them under the water because you don't want to see them, you're trying to smother them, neutralise, repress them, then what happens is that when you get tired or when you take your, literally take your eye off the beach ball, it pings out. And, you know, it can come out then in completely uncontrolled, sometimes rage, because you've been trying to shovel them down rather than process them. It is you push against them and they push back. But if you can make room for them, you know, just let the metaphorical beach ball be there, then it's much lighter. And, yes, holding this beach ball might suck a little bit or it might suck a lot, but the only way the beach ball is really going to be able to sort of process this whole process and allow the beach ball to eventually float away is to hold it lightly let it be there, and then eventually it will float away. The emotions don't last. No, they all come and go, and we know that. Nobody's joyful forever. It's normal to come and have periods of joy and periods of sadness. They're all normal. And we don't try and hang on to the joyful. We just know, but we don't, we just don't love leading into these unpleasant ones. And that, you know, it's understandable, but it's just not helpful to shovel them down. No, no. And I think when you first start doing this, when you first start leaning in to your more negative emotions and and that, that process of accepting them and letting them be there, it can be pretty uncomfortable and it, you know, it can suck a little bit, but ultimately it is a really useful thing to do, you know, just like clearing out your fridge or just sitting down and planning your meals or just sort of doing the things in life that are really important for our good health but aren't necessarily an enormous amount of fun, it still is a really important thing to do and ultimately it can lead to much greater peace, ultimately can lead to a much greater quality of life and a literally improved health. Absolutely. 
So gorgeous listeners, we have got a little resource that might be helpful for you. You know, there are, as we talked about, 11 billion emotions, some of which you will be well and truly aware of, but helping you kind of just quantify. In fact, I think the phrase that you love using, Mares, is name it to tame it. Mm. And it is, if you can name your emotion, then that's the first step. So we have got a, a free resource for that, which uh, you can download. What's the address for that, Mares? That is www.rlmedicine.com forward slash stress, S-T-R-E-S-S. And the link will be in the show notes. Absolutely. Gorgeous ones, we will probably continue this conversation because it is one of our favourites and we are wishing you the most wonderful week ahead. Have a good one and we will talk to you soon. Wonderful. See you later. So, my lovely listeners, that ends this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. I'm Dr Lucy Burns. And I'm Dr Mary Barson. We're from Real Life Medicine. To contact us, please visit rlmedicine.com. And until next time, thanks thanks for for listening. listening. The information shared on the Real Health and Weight Loss podcast, including show notes and links, provides general information only. It is not a substitute, nor is it intended to provide individualised medical advice, diagnosis or treatment, nor can it be construed as such. Please consult your doctor for any medical concerns.